and I met a burlesque dancer who wanted to start a burlesque school in Shanghai. So obviously I went along and then got roped into that. <laughs> it was so good. I Honestly, it was so good. I went to like some really crazy parties <laughs> from doing that. It was magic. I never thought I could do such a thing, but it was so liberating. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 441. Since all British passports are issued in the name of Queen Elizabeth II, she herself doesn't actually have one. But wait, how does she get anywhere? I don't know. She's the queen. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who has driven solo across Vietnam on a bike, was a burlesque dancer in Shanghai, and has gotten stranded in an Asian country. Hers was Thailand. Mine was Singapore. Alice Teacake from TeacakeTravels.com and co-host of the Girls Talk Travel Podcast. Alice, thanks for joining me. Huge, huge welcome. Thank you so much. Super, super, super psyched to be here. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I love I love other podcasters, and I really love, if people have listened to this show, they know I love good about pages, and yours is right up there, right up there, some of the best I've ever seen. Specifically, I love this line that you have there. You don't want a typical bikini vacation. You want a serious blood, sweat, and challenging travel education. So that's what you're all about, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind a challenge. I have to say. <laughs> yeah. When did that? When did that happen? Like, w was there a transfer? Were you a typical like, oh, bikini vacation, margarita, hang out, and then you transition to like, I want a challenge, or has this been like from the jump? You're like, nope, challenging travels for me. Yeah, I would say it's absolutely been from the get go, always been like that. I think because, you know, I was brought up in such a kind of cookie cutter kind of family, you know, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. And I kind of did all that. And, and I obviously got to the point where I'd done all of it. And I wasn't happy. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, <laughs> I've done everything that's been asked. And I'm still not happy. Screw this. I'm just going to go and do everything that people tell me not to do. And it's worked out quite well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were those like, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this type things? Well, how did that look like in your life? I mean, it, it's very much what you might expect. So, you know, my parents, God bless them, came from a very working class background, you know, so it wasn't about following your dreams. It was following what would get you to a comfortable state. So, you know, I was always very a star at school, always trying my best, you know, get the job, do this, do that. So I worked really hard and, you know, obviously did quite very well at school, etc. I was in psychology for quite a long time, actually still am, you know, I kind of come full circle, I, you know, I'm completely immersed in helping people through hypnotherapy right now and um, to become, you know, from going from anxious to adventurous. So, um, yeah, it, it, obviously it all served me well, but at the age of 25, you know, I kind of done everything that had been asked. And I just thought, nah, like I've, I've got to go and travel, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got to go see the world because I do the 2.4, like <laughs> children, family thing. I, you know, obviously I don't have kids, but it was kind of getting that way. And I was like, nah, nah, got to do something different now. Was it a, like an epiphany moment? Like, was there a t an aha, oh my gosh, I can point to this as being the thing that, that set that off? 
A hundred percent. It drops like an absolute bomb. So I was I was on the train in England and it was a super busy train. There was one seat left vacant to me. And luckily this girl sat down next to me. We got challenged. She had just come back from India teaching English. I was like, wow, wow, wow. And, and we just kept talking and talking. And by the time I had got off that train, because it was a good like two to three hour train ride. By the time I got off that train, I was like, that's it. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go do this. And within a month's time, I was learning how to teach English, just like you. Um, and yeah, the same, it's quite funny, like the same year that you went to Japan, I just decided to go to South Korea. I was like, that's it. I'm just going to go to South Korea. And I did within three months of meeting that girl on that train. I was in South Korea teaching English. So it was just a massive jump, but such a life changing one. Like all good stories start, a girl on a train in England, dot, 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 <laughs> and then... <laughs> so, okay, you, you did it. I mean, that was quick, right? You're like three months from, from kind of this revelation to actually being there in a different country, life upended. What was it like? Because you knew you had to do it, but what was it like for people around you? Parents who might say oh my gosh, like we worked our butts off. She, you know, this is the path. Yeah. Friends, family. What was their kind of feedback? Well, they thought I was absolutely insane. And, you know, my parents even dropped the D words. They said we're disappointed, which was pretty hard to swallow. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, you've got such a great career in psychology. Why on earth do you want to give it up? You know, I was with a boyfriend at the time. We had a nice place. I said, I'm sorry, I have to go. I want to go and do this. So it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was tough, but it felt right. And I just had to follow my gut and my intuition in that sense. Were there any times then, you know, maybe right in the beginning when you got to South Korea, were there moments of doubt that crept up or maybe even before, like, I know I'm going to South Korea, but oh my gosh, I could pull the plug on this. Yeah. So I think, you know, that that's the way our mind works, isn't it? I, I knew that I wanted to do it, but like, any other human being. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? Is this going to work? You know, um, am I really making the right decision? So yes, there was definitely one point where I was like, ah, maybe I shouldn't go. But <laughs> I quickly changed my mind again and went and thank goodness for that because, you know, it taught me so much. You know, we, we love travel, right? Travel just taught me so, so much about myself, my wants, my needs, my my own capabilities. And I'm so grateful for that. Had you had much experience traveling before that trip or, or, or also had it been like a nagging thing at the back of your head that that girl poured gasoline on? Or was it almost like, I didn't even think I really wanted to do this, but I heard it. And I, you know, this really sparked the fire. Yeah, I was I was that girl who didn't think I could travel. I was like, I don't have the money to travel. I don't have the capability to travel. Why should I even travel? Because it's not the safe or proper thing to do. Um, I was very much in that mindset. And I think just seeing living proof next to me at a point where I was personally feeling pain, that was it. That was enough for me to take that leap. Yeah, that's crazy. That I like the word that you used. That I didn't feel like I had the capabilities because so many people say, oh, "Okay, money," and then here's here's the solution: travel cheaper, or here's how to get money or save up. But capabilities is a lot different. It might not be as easy as saying, "Oh, you don't feel capable." Well, here's the solution. W walk us through that journey for you. I think, you know, and I always tell, we always talk, tell this to the ladies on our Girls Talk Travel podcast as well, that finding out whether you're capable or not does always first initially take a little bit of a dive. You have to put your toes in the water. Um, and it was a domino effect for me. Yes, I mean, going from England to South Korea was pretty mad. That was a big leap. But it was still actually a safe step because I was going to a job that I already had. I knew that I was going to be meeting people the minute I got off the plane. You know, it was it was the English programming career. So it was a very controlled like experience. But 
as I've grown throughout my travel, obviously <laughs> the plans have become looser and looser and more adventurous. And that's how you do it. You just build your momentum up bit by bit. And when you see proof, that just fuels your fire. And then you just take the next step. It is kind of as simple as that, <laughs> even though it can seem such a big hurdle. Yeah, I think there's so many variables that people can figure out which ones they want to control when it comes to dipping your toe in the water. There are people who will who will not, and they'll just dive into the deep end right off. But most people are saying, you know, something has been holding them back, whether it's your own fear, whether it is money. And, and for you, you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go get a job. Like, I'm not just going to go travel. I'm doing it for a job. Same with Heather and I when we went to Japan. It wasn't like, oh, we don't have money to do it. We knew we were getting paid. So, it was, so we didn't need to have savings because we, we weren't just going just to travel. And so I think you, you have to look at it if you're someone sitting there saying, I want to do it, but I have X, Y, and Z reason. Well, what of those can you control? And for you, it was like, all right, going to a safe space. Same, you know, very similar experiences like you mentioned. I did the jet program in Japan. You were just in Korea. We were basically leading parallel lives in different countries, right? <laughs> because I knew... I'm going to meet amazing people. The moment I get off there, there's going to be a teacher welcoming me. There's orientation. They have an apartment for me, blah, 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 blah. And so for most people, they said, Trav, isn't this crazy scary? Like Heather and I had just gotten married. So we, we heard this, like you got, your first year of marriage is so hard and now you're going to go and do it in Japan. And we actually were like, I think it'll be easier because over there, like we're kind of, we have to rely on each other. And, and at home, you know, you can run off to this and that, and you have all this people pulling you in different directions. And I, I honestly think we had an easier time being over there because of that reason, because it was like, this is brand new. We rely on each other's. And, you know, I'm sure you had a similar experience with, with finding friends like instantly, right? Like you're there and you're in the same situation and it's a bit scary, but then you find people and you're like instant friends. Yes, I mean, it is a recipe for success. So, you know, as far as teaching English goes, if you can get into something like that, you're going to be absolutely fine. You know, but this is the thing, like, I'm, I'm so obsessed with the mind and how just how our perceived, perceived threats can just get completely out of hand. Because the thing with the mind is that it, it completely believes the pictures that you put in it and the words that you say to it. So, if you are constantly imagining <laughs> the worst and, and saying to yourself, I can't do it, it's not possible, it's never going to happen, then hey, guess what? You know, your mind's going to be like, all right, I've got the message. I'm going to make sure that it never, ever happens. So anything is possible. You know, I can see that as we progress throughout our travels and become more entrepreneurial and tried different things that, that you know, that that's it. It's the mindset because this is the thing with strategies. Yeah, like they, they do help. Of course, we all need strategies. We all need plans. But I would say that's only like 10% of it. Actually, like 90% of it is your mindset, is your belief and what you want to achieve and how you believe that you're going to make that happen. Yeah. And one of that, it's like building up a muscle, right? And I kind of see it as whenever I'm going to do something that might be even it might be scary or maybe it's not scary. It's just daunting. It's like, I'm not scared to do this anymore, but I'm, I'm really like, how am I going to do it? And I get overwhelmed. I feel like I have that feeling of being overwhelmed way more than I have it of being scared. Um, and you know, I have a good support system, family that loves me, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, so with that caveat, but whenever I get to that point, I try to do two things. One is I try to find someone who's doing it right. Just like that girl on the train. All of a sudden, here's a living, breathing person that is maybe your age, maybe looks like you, maybe grew up in the same town, whatever it is that they're doing it, you can do it. And so it's a, it's that idea of modeling. And, and the second thing is then just trying, as you said, break it down. Okay, this is overwhelming, this huge thing. Yeah, you might not want to go to India for three months as a solo female backpacker as your first trip, right? Maybe you do, but that's going to be tough. But there's a lot that you can do that's dipping your toe into the water before you dive in, as you mentioned. And so, you know, talk us through how you did that, because you were in South Korea in a pretty, you know, some people think it's crazy. Uh, maybe you're and your parents thought it's crazy. But to you, you're like, well, this this is this feels comfortable. But since then, you've you've started to push, 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 push more and more and more outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's the thing you know, we always tell the solo female travelers on our podcast that you have to 
push the boundary a little. So what I did was I was right down in the south of South Korea. So I said, I'm going to go to the north. So I took a train by myself. I just slept in ginger bangs, which are basically saunas, but loads of people sleep in them overnight. It was great. I just took a week out for myself and I just tried different things, went to places on my own. Hey, guess what? It worked. It was absolutely fine. So, you know, then I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm in South Korea, where can I go next? So I went to Thailand, Uh, you know, it was local, it was with a friend, and it's just about building it up bit by bit. But yeah, obviously, things have got bigger and bigger since then. Um, I was solo traveling on a motorbike in Vietnam for three months. That was pretty wild. Nearly died. Three months? Yeah, three months, because... I <laughs> I can be a little obsessive. I I really love to experience a country. So I was like, I want to see Vietnam. So yeah, it took me three months to see Vietnam on a bike. But it was it was amazing. And, you know, taking it right up to the present day, I I you know, I well, okay, not present day, but I say a couple of years ago, I went to Bangladesh at a time when people told me you really should not go to Bangladesh at this time. I was like, but I want to go, you know, I haven't, I haven't really seen much about it, but I've heard a couple of things and I I want to go. So I just did. And then, you know, I was hiking in Pakistan last year. That was amazing. My gosh, I've never seen mountains like that ever in my life. Yes. Like the mountains in China are pretty, pretty damn good. I have to say, but Pakistan, oh, it might just win. I'm going to cause controversy there, but, um, oh my gosh, it was phenomenal. But, you know, when I've gone to Pakistan, <laughs> like in 2010, no way, man. <laughs> no, I would never have done that. So mm. it's just building it up bit by bit. Yeah, it seems like you're someone who doesn't like being told no as well. Yeah, I, I'm a pretty stubborn lady. You know how people get motivation from so many different places? Like if you want to inspire me to do something, just tell me I can't do it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So this this Pakistan thing, because that's I've had a few people on who have been through Pakistan, right? And obviously, uh, and and everyone who's had who's been on raves about Pakistan itself. But it brings up this thing of like, okay, Pakistan inherently unsafe, or or that's the picture that people have of it. So let, let's talk about that as as kind of a conduit for even the bigger idea of doing things that might be seen as risky for you what kind of like precautions or what kind of things did you think about? Because I know, as you said, it take you build up, you build up, you build up, you build up, but that doesn't mean that you just throw all caution away and say, I'm just going to do something without even thinking about it. So when you decided, Hey, I'm going to go to Pakistan or if, if Bangladesh is a better example, I'm going to go to Bangladesh. What did you decide to do to make sure that you were doing it in a way that that was safe or that at least made you feel comfortable, even if it would make someone else be like, no, this is still crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, especially as a woman, you know, I always do think about the the culture and, and what is seen as right and essentially wrong. So, you know, I always make sure that I research the clothes, what I should be wearing, how I should be acting. Um, so I did do a lot of research into that. Um, and, you know, especially Bangladesh, actually, you know, I didn't have to cover my head, but I just felt way more comfortable doing that. So I always had a scarf around my head um, and obviously just completely covered head to toe. Um, But in terms of actual plans, I actually just went with a Lonely Planet book. (laughs) Um, I knew what areas that I wanted to see. And I think I was at the point where I was comfortable to enough to just jump on a bus, which is exactly what I did. Because I found it time and time again when you're traveling, even even if you cannot speak the language, which so many people worry about. But I just I just racked up and I just said the name of the place I want to go. And I knew that I would be fine. I mean, yeah, some of the bus rides were pretty, uh, (laughs) pretty damn hair raising. But but for me, like for me, that was pleasure. That wasn't pain. That was pleasure. That was adventure to me. So I did actually plan to an extent I mean all the classic things you know when you get there you make sure that you have a hotel the first night you you tell people exactly where you're staying and you make sure that you have connectivity on your phone all of those good juicy top tips for solo women that I always throw them in there because they're just so key um but you know equally I would always advise not to over plan because 
then the experience kind of gets taken away from you. Like in Pakistan, for example, yeah, like there are definitely places I wouldn't go. And where I did explore, I was hiking with a guide who was local. And I also had other people with me in that group. You know, I was I was taking I was taken care of. And I knew that if any trouble happened, that I would be okay. Um, you know, especially crossing a lot of borders, there's a lot of checks. They want to know exactly who you are, where you're going, what you're doing. Um, but I felt confident. I felt confident in knowing that I was taken care of. So, yeah, there is always prep, but it, it's good. It's good to do it. Definitely. In Pakistan, were you with, uh, like, were you a solo traveler that then got attached to a group or were you with a group of people from the beginning? Yeah, so I actually was on a campaign um, to promote tours in Pakistan. So I was like, I was very much taken care yeah. of from yeah from start to finish. But Bangladesh, that was just completely solo. I just winged it. <laughs> what? Okay, so let's go to that. It's like solo because obviously for you, speaking about um, solo woman travel, something that I won't ever be able to speak to um, at, from personal experience. What are the things that you do plan for both as a woman, but also as a solo traveler, because you do some solo, some with people like, you know, you, you do kind of whatever works, but specifically solo travel. What are just those extra things that you would say, all right, if I'm going solo, this is what I do just to make sure. Yeah. So like to go from, from the start. So I always make sure that I, I take clothes where I'm going to be cult culturally appropriate for that country. That's like top one. When I fly in, I actually make sure that I don't get into a flight, which is going to arrive at two or three in the morning. It's just not good. So I always have a flight, um, which will get me in, you know, like in the late morning and in the afternoon. So I know that I have plenty of time to get where I need to go. Um, if the public transport's fine, I'll take it. You know, it's cheaper, right? But if I really am in a bit of a country which is a bit more difficult, then there's some really awesome sites out there where you can book private uh, private transport and it will get you to the hotel that you have booked. I'm re I'm researched. Not not sure. not the driver's <laughs> buddy's brother's hotel oh, man. that that yeah. is called like the Golden Lion Inn instead of the the Golden Inn or whatever you know. <laughs> And they'll probably tell you, you know, that the hotel that you've booked has burnt down or shut down last week. Oh, I've heard it all. But no, I go to that hotel and, you know, I do research. I check out travel bloggers. I check out podcasts. I want to know exactly what's good. But then when I'm actually tra traveling whilst I'm there, I, you know, I always make sure that I have the cards of the place I'm staying so that and a couple of copies of it so I never lose it. When I'm out and about, I always make sure that my phone is charged. I make sure that I have connection in some way. Um, sometimes I may leave a note of like to my accommodation just to tell them where I'm going. Sometimes not. It depends on the area. But oh my gosh, I speak. I actually speak to the locals a lot. I want to know what's good, where I shouldn't go. Like it's quite funny actually. I'm house sitting at the moment right now in the middle of England. And uh, it seems a very lovely place. But I went to the hairdressers just a couple of days ago and I was like, right, just give me the actual laydown on this place and where I'm staying. And I told her the street that I'm house sitting on. And she <laughs> she she says that this is the number one drug dealing street in this town. <laughs> OK, but I'm like, well. It seems fine to me. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? Or even if you know it, you're just like, I've been here a few days. Seems all right. Yeah, it actually seems fine. You know, but obviously I'm probably not going to be hanging out here at midnight on the street. Right, you, you know, don't got to hang out on the stoop. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to hang out waiting for a drug deal to go down. So, <laughs> so that, you know, this is the thing. But um, apart from that, I do have to say that there are some things that you can gift yourself as a woman which are very useful so I definitely believe in self-defense I, I spent three months in China learning jiu-jitsu just in case that if I got into trouble I would know exactly what to do and that has happened I have actually got in trouble um twice in different countries and I've had to whip out those moves so yeah, so you know, I don't want to, I don't want to alarm anyone, but I am very truthful and honest. Like this is it, right? As a woman, whether you're just in your own hometown, 
or on the other side of the world, sometimes, you know, you might get in trouble. So it's just good to know those self-defense moves just in just in for case sure. things go a little bit, oof, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but apart from that, yeah, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned this idea of of like talking locals and authentic experiences. And so people ask us all the time too, like, oh, Trav, you told this podcast about meeting this lady in the Republic of Georgia and you got to go to her home and her uncle or grandpa or whatever it was was driving you around singing to you. Like, how do you have those experiences? And, you know, there's not I, I there's not an answer. I you know, it's not as simple as like, well, do this put up a sign that says, I want an authentic experience and they'll come find you. But there are things that you can do in order to make that happen and give yourself a better shot. And you're someone who, who like kind of thrives on that and, and, and does that. So what are some of the things that you do to say, all right, I'm in this place, I'm going to be safe. Um, but I, I definitely don't just want the clean cut version of monument, monument, museum, uh, you know, TripAdvisor restaurant and go home. So how can you have those authentic experiences? What do you do? Do you have any tips and tricks with that? So I always feel that we want to stay in our comfort zone a little. And especially if we're meeting people on the road, we can get quite comfortable with that and then always kind of stick in that bubble. But I make sure that I space out my time and energy. So yeah, like I love hanging out with people. I, I really want to spend time and learn things from them. But I will break away. So I'll just literally go and eat somewhere randomly on my own. Like eating alone, especially in Asia, is the perfect way to make friends because they're like, no, don't eat that food by yourself. No. <laughs> so like, I always get chatting to somebody that way. Um, but also just walking down the street and being open. So, you know, if someone just says, hey, hey, I'll say hi back. And if, if something catches my eye, I'll get chatting to them. And ask questions and then it leads from there I mean I remember in Pakistan I was just walking um along the river through the trees in Hunza and some young girls spotted me they're like hey hey you know and they, they were very sweet very lovely like you know I think you just know when someone's being genuine and then when someone just wants to sell you like a lot of of tea or something <laughs> but they just genuinely wanted to drink tea with me so yeah that was how it happened I got invited into the house I was drinking tea it was really nice I found out a lot more about that village so you just have to be open you just have to strike conversation but you also need to kind of be alone sometimes I find I don't know I'm quite interested like you and Heather as a couple did did you also kind of get that same interaction or was it easier when you were by yourselves um, that's a good question. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the natural inclination is to say it's easier when you're by yourself because people will come to you more like just because they know they see you're by yourself. And so naturally they're like, well, I'm not interrupting this person or, or like, you know, if I'm wandering around a city, I, I like to just flaneur, right? I like to just stroll, gaze, look at everything. And so, you know, if I'm by myself, it's pretty obvious that I'm not from there. And, you know, when I do that, yeah, I'm not trying to act like a local. Um, so I think that in that way, it's easier because people aren't intimidated. But I do think that sometimes Heather and I force each other to kind of go a bit outside the box. I'll give you a great example. We were in Montenegro. And we, uh, my buddy Francis, uh, who's been on the podcast a few times, you guys might have heard him, Francis Tapon, he has a book called The Hidden Europe. If anyone wants to go to Eastern Europe, get The Hidden Europe. And he says, climb up this mountain in Coder, Montenegro, go through this little window, and there's a church back there, and I slept back there for three days, and there's awesome hiking. So we do all that. And then there's a little sign that says Chez, it's supposed to say cheese, but it says Chez, and it's like an arrow saying 50 meters this way or something. Well, obviously it wasn't 50 meters because we couldn't see anything there. And, and we're like, oh, I wonder what that means or where that goes. There's nothing over there. And, uh, and so we're like, ah, oh, whatever. And we start going down the, the, the mountain. I'm like, Heath, should we go over? You know, cause when you were the travel partner, if you, sometimes I feel like if I'm not sure about doing something, I put it on them, right? Oh, do you want to go down there? Oh, you don't really care. Well, I would have, but you know, uh, let's get out of here. And she just goes for whatever reason. I don't know. She said, well, you know, 
your dad, if he saw that sign, he would go follow that. I don't even know why she said it. Cause it's not like my dad's some crazy adventurer or travels all the time. And I turned right around. I'm like, we're going to that sign. And we did. And we went and we spent five hours with this Montenegrin couple that didn't speak any English and like plied us with cheese and rakia and, and, and pomegranate juice that they were squeezing from their back garden. And, and that goes to show you these authentic experiences. That was probably, it was a top two experiences we've ever had. But if I was alone, I probably would have seen the sign and not gone to it. So I know sometimes it just depends. You know, I think people might push you out of your comfort zone if you're with them, but you, you also then have to push a little harder because people won't really come to you as much if you're with someone else. <laughs> you're making me laugh about that mountain I know that window and I know that church I actually almost got stuck up there um, <laughs> <laughs> all right love it Coder Montenegro because, beautiful oh stunning 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 but yeah that window is hilarious because they say that you can get into the main fort by taking the back route right right so I went this back route and then I got to that window and there was a very kind of barely stern security guard there and i was like let me in he was like no no oh man <laughs> maybe they've closed it down i mean this was a while ago so you never know they you yeah. probably just had to give them a few what is it montenegrin i or i don't know do they have the euro i'm not even sure at this point um so with you okay because you solo travel and travel with other people and groups and stuff like that what to you are the pros and cons because i because you do more solo travel than i do every once in a while heather and i'll take our individual trips but for the most part now and for the last you know seven years it's been primarily at least us two maybe even more people so for you what what do you see as like the pros and cons or maybe just the pros of solo travel and the pros of of with other people or a group yeah, I think the pros and cons change as you kind of level up, so to speak. So as like a newbie traveler, oh, groups are just the best. Like they are just the best because everyone is super excited. They really cannot wait to get into the culture. They can't wait to eat the food, to see the sight. So if you are going with a group, it's just comforting. It feels good. Everyone's sharing that energy. So I, I love that. I love that you get to share the experience. You get to talk about it with somebody else. You know that the next step you're going to take has already kind of been tested. So that is brilliant. That is brilliant when you're other people. And yeah, there was definitely time, you know, solo travel has its ups and downs like anything. And there was definitely times where like I was crying or I, I really thought I was in trouble and there was no one there to support me. So that was hard. And um, but Equally, if you turn that around, actually, those tough times were the times that I grew the most because I was by myself. I had to learn how to work things out, how to solve problems, how to look after myself. So it really depends on your mindset and how you want to see it. You know, when, when I first started traveling, I was so stubborn, so adamant. I, I would even meet up with people that I knew uh, from other places. They would just so happen to be in that country. And they'd be like, do you want to hang out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll hang out for a bit. But <laughs> then I'm going to go and do this by myself because I was just so adamant. But that has relaxed and loosened over the years. And, you know, now I really do like to travel with other people too. That's really, really nice. Um, so yeah, there's kind of pros and cons to both depending on what you want to achieve and what you want to do, I would say. Do you have a overall preference? Like if I could snap my fingers right now and be like, hey, you can be anywhere in the world, Alice, but and you can be with anyone. Would you say like, I'm solo traveling and I'm going here? Or would it be, I have a really awesome travel partner that I want to share it with? I'm solo traveling and I'm in Taiwan. All right. Oh, nice. We even know where you are. Well, you've been, well, let's, you've been stranded in Taiwan once. So I, yes. I mean, how, all right, why Taiwan? Let's dig into that because I've never been to Taiwan, despite the fact that I was in Japan, actually never been to South Korea, but our airport, our tiny airport had like one flight from the place that I lived to South Korea. Still never went to South Korea. Um, so, yeah, why Taiwan? Why is that like right where you'd go? For me, it's so magical because it has so much variety. So 
you know, I obviously I love motorbike trips. So if you go down the east coast of Taiwan, it's magic. It's a surface paradise. There is great like places to stop off, and they've just got the most like random weirdest shits, like <laughs> the most random statues and things like that. But the more you um, kind of go into the center of Taiwan. Then you really get into the Aboriginal communities, and that is just a whole new ball game. It's like abandoned mountain towns and like very close communities, um, and they have such a strong character because everyone is chewing betel nut over there. <laughs> They're kind of uh, you know working hard, um, you know doing their thing, but they are very close, and I think that's actually one of the most beautiful things that travels taught me about the strength and community that you see within people, uh, you know, especially because I'm so biased towards the East and the Asian culture. I, I just love it. It's so great to see how people interact and work together over there and what values they hold. And that's why I love Taiwan. It was such a small country, so to speak, but so much variety. And the islands are out of this world. You know, I was I was snorkeling with turtles in one place. But, yeah, I did actually get stuck on the island for about a week uh, with a lot of goats. Uh, that was interesting. I had to eat goat, see goat, breathe goat. <laughs> what, what happened there? Was it weather related? Yeah. So when I got on the boat, they did give me a warning. They said, you know, if you get on this boat, you might not be able to come back for a while because there was a big, big storm. And yeah, I couldn't get back for a week, but I was quite happy with that. I was like, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I mean, it ends up being the place that if I could snap my fingers and send you to, you're going to that country. So I'm sure you're not too upset yeah. about getting stranded there. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> How long did you teach English in South Korea? Um, so I did it for two and a half years and I cried. I actually cried when I left. Um, but I just knew that I wanted to do the next thing. Um, I've also taught in China. I lived in Shanghai. Yeah, that's where the burlesque comes in, actually. <laughs> um, Shanghai is such a land of opportunity in that because I, I found in South Korea that every other person that you met was a teacher. That was it. That was what they did. But in Shanghai, I met like watchmakers or people like in creating really interesting startups. And everyone had many dreams that they wanted to make a reality. And they did. They did it in Shanghai. And I met a burlesque dancer who wanted to start a burlesque school in Shanghai. So obviously I went along and then got roped into that. <laughs> it was so good. i Honestly, it was so good. I went to like some really crazy parties <laughs> from doing that. It was magic. I never thought I could do such a thing, but it was so liberating. Yeah, I mean, you seem like, all right, you don't want to be told no, but you're willing to say yes to almost anything. Is that a good distillation of, of maybe your, your ethos here? I'd say so, yeah. But I can see that you don't, you know, you don't kind of like the word no either. If you're going to go down. <laughs> That's 100% <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it depends who's telling me, but most people telling me, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Yeah. Like they might say no at first, but I just wear them down, persistence, and finally end up doing it. For you, what what do you see as like, you said you'd snap your fingers, you'd be in Taiwan, but what do you see as maybe the next horizon for you when it comes to like adventure? Like, is there an adventure or a few adventures on your list that you say, all right, this is how I'm going to push myself in the future. A hundred percent. So, you know, people, I don't know when people message me, I think they think that I've been to a lot of places, but I am actually a very quality over quantity girl. I have, I have not even touched South America. Me either. I haven't been. Yeah. Right. I've never been to any of those countries. I, I tried to get into the United States, but um, because I've been to Iran, they were like, nope. <laughs> I was like, damn. So there's a lot that I still want to tick off my list. But South America is 100% on that bucket list. I haven't touched any of it. So I need to I need to get moving. Yeah. You're going to get on a motorbike and go South America, like, uh, yeah, Che Guevara style or whatever. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, all right, you just mentioned you've been to Iran. So you say, I haven't been to that many places. And I, like you, I'm definitely more quality over quantity. I have no problem like counting or if I'm somewhere, for example, like wanted to go to Montenegro because we're in Croatia, let's go. Um, but it's not a, 
Like, I don't have this vision of saying, oh, you're going to go to all 198 countries. I, I, I'm to the point where I am guessing that I never will, because unless you make it, in, unless you say you're going to do it, you're not going to do it, right? But what, ha- like, where have you explored fairly deeply? And then what are some of the places that you've really liked? Yeah, so just to touch on Iran, actually, I it was probably my biggest travel fail. Um, okay, oh, was, we're getting to the mishap already. <laughs> All right, nice. Yeah, I know. I just want to drop it in there because people, when I tell people that I went to Iran, they're like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I was like, dude, I saw a pizza hut and a really crappy waterfall. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, this is, and this is why it happens because... I did the Mongol rally. I don't know if you know about the Mongol rally. Yeah, of course, of course. Great. So you drive from the UK to Mongolia and you basically just have to get to the finish line alive. And that's that's why I did. And we went through Iran. We were so excited about it. But because of the timing, we had two days to get through there. And it was just the most <laughs> upsetting time because I knew I was in such an amazing phenomenal <laughs> deeply cultured country and uh I just I I just sat in a car driving for Iran which was very fun I have to say but equally I just oh man <laughs> like when when you tell people what countries you've been to actually there's a lot of countries that sometimes I don't mention because I just did not give it justice mm. um which is such a and shame especially Iran because uh, for whenever I, whenever anyone comes on the podcast and they've been there, which is not a ton of people, but you know, a larger ma- portion than you would think. Whenever I ask people about that, or, or it just naturally spills out, they're like, "This is the nicest country I've ever been into, as, as far as people. Like, this is the most hospitable, I guess would be the right word, country I've ever been to." And I hear it over and over and over again from people who have been to all 198 countries and are chasing this. You just hear Iran come up over and over and over again. I heard that with like the Republic of Georgia, right? There's some of these countries that you hear that like punch way above their weight when it's like everyone has an amazing experience that. Yeah, so it kind of is a bummer. I mean, Pizza Hut, not 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 that bad, but I mean, certainly not the hospitable thing that you really want when you're going through Iran. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tragedy, but I'll, I will do my best to make up for it. But in terms of countries that I say I really know well, it, it still just goes, does go back to Asia. Like South Korea, I could talk about it all day long, all day long. Uh, Thailand as well. Um, and obviously, my you know, my home country, England. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Do, and, do you spend and, a lot of your time in England? Like, do you have a home base now in the UK? You consider that your home base and then travel from there? Yeah, kind of. I, it just kind of has worked it out that I am in England for quite a lot of time. Obviously, right now, you know, we're going through the pandemic, so we're, you know, recording this. So it has kind of turned into my home base. But I don't know, I got itchy feet. I'm thinking Bulgaria next, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a Bulgarian podcast. We have a Destination Diary Bulgaria with my good buddy Mitko, who is Bulgarian and immigrated to the US when he was 13. And they, I mean, that is another one that anyone I know who's been to Bulgaria, mostly him because I talk to him a lot. He's just like, Trav, you come here like you will be shocked because it's not what you expect, especially the food. He said, you know, everyone thinks like pierogies and sausage, like the typical kind of Eastern European heavy meal. And he's just always like, no, it's like Mediterranean food. Um, had a baby with Persian food is I think what he said. And I'm like, oh, like. That sounds pretty dang good. So, um, yeah. All right. I'm with you with Bulgaria. That seems like a place that you could bunk down to a little bit, you know, pretty accessible to everything else. Yeah. Good transportation, good infrastructure. Yeah. We were actually supposed to be in Bulgaria in August. So Ah, dang you COVID. Dang you COVID. Ah. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. One of the things that you do that that's interesting that I've never seen anywhere else is RTT therapy. So before I let you go, we have to touch on this a little bit. And you you kind of threw it in at the very beginning. I don't know if anyone caught it. I did because I saw it as a tagline on your thing, on your site. And it's anxious to adventurous. So explain to us what that is and, and kind of how it works and why you're passionate about it. So, you know, I've just found through life again, 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 that we are beautiful onions, so to speak. You know, we can give ourselves all the affirmations, all the pet talk that we want to give ourselves. But 
if we're just working on that outer layer of ourselves, we can sometimes pretty much not believe it 100%. That is why I love rapid transformational therapy, which is basically a hybrid therapy of all of the best psychological techniques rolled into one. And it accesses your subconscious and just gets to the root, the reason and the cause of why you are not doing what you want to do. And whether that's money blocks or, you know, relationship problems or actually going on an adventure, if you just can't seem to push past that barrier of getting to where you want to go, I just love hypnotherapy for that reason. Like two hours of a session with me, I will deep dive, sort it out, get it done. (laughs) And you're just on your merry way. Really? So I've never done any hypnotherapy. I've never really done much therapy, but certainly never know any, any hypnotherapy. Explain to us how it works. And do you have to do it in person? Like this is now, now we're talking COVID, like, can it be done virtually? Yeah. So I do all of my work online. All of the sessions are online. Um, and it, it is actually really easy. A lot of people kind of have visions of hypnosis being this crazy, far out, like dangerous thing. But I reckon that you've been hypnotized maybe three times today already, just by yourself. Okay, explain, so, explain this. All right. So, for example, have you ever got in the car and then you have to go from A to B and you get to B and you don't quite know how you've got there? Yeah, it happens to me a lot. Like, I'll p- pull out of a driveway. I-, I don't have a driveway where I live now, but like my parents' house growing up, I would just pull out and I turn right because that's like the normal way. I'd start driving and then all of a sudden I'm like, where am I going? Like, I hadn't thought about it. I was just, yeah, on autopilot basically. Exactly, exactly. And this is the thing, like 95% of our thoughts and actions, behaviors are always on autopilot because our subconscious is doing that. It's driving that. And we can get lost in that subconscious many times a day and not even realize it. And yeah, I build that bridge to the subconscious like super quick. We get in there, we find out what's in that subconscious, what's going on, and we just completely rewire it, upgrade it, regenerate it, and get it spick and span like a brand new computer. <laughs> and, and and that's usually in a two-hour session then? Yeah, two-hour sessions, bish, bash, bosh, done. Wow. Who are the people that you work with the most? Is it people wanting to travel because they're finding it, or is it all types of people who want to get past blocks? Yeah, so I mean, you know, throughout my career, like working with different people, I've worked with lots of different people, like people who want to quit drinking, people who do want to travel, people who feel imposter syndrome, but Mm, I just just keep... Uh-huh, That's yeah. a big one. Everyone can raise their hand to that, I think, or mm-hmm. most people. Absolutely. But right now, I work purely with content creators. So content creators are feeling overwhelmed, that they're procrastinating, they're just really struggling to get past certain blocks to take their career to the next level. That's who I'm working with. I work with content creators. Very cool. All right. This is, I, I love diving into something that I have no idea about. Like, literally zero idea about hypnosis other than a dude holder or anyone i don't have to be a guy holding a watch and like you're getting very sleepy that's that's you know i think what talk me through a little bit of all right i'm like cool i want to do this i want to do hypnotherapy what what do should i expect and also is there stuff that you have people do prior to to coming and, and doing the session well the thing with hypnosis is that you want to have to be to be hypnotized, right? I can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. If if I was like a crafty hypnotherapist, then I'd be asking for your PIN number and your bank details and I'd be incredibly rich. So a lot of people always ask me, am I going to be in control? Am I going to know what's happening throughout the session? Yes, you, like you can open your eyes, do whatever you want at any time. So, you know, the start of the session is just about being relaxed, just about being open to change in from from that point forward and yeah i do a little technique that i'm afraid i can't tell you about no, that's but okay I, yeah. don't, I don't need to know everything <laughs> but i do the technique we, we get we build that bridge from the conscious to the subconscious and then we access it we have a good old wander around that warehouse we find out exactly what's happening we go through your files all of your memories and find out exactly what has caused you to believe a certain thing. Because, you know, events that happen to us in life, we interpret them in different ways, right? So something very tragic could possibly happen. Some person, they may come out of that feeling okay. But for another person, it really shifts their 
perspective and how they do things from that day forward. So we always find the root, the reason and the cause of why you feel a certain way. And we just look at it. We update it. We upgrade it. We rewire it. And uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what? Oh, man, it's fascinating. So what got you into hypnotherapy? Was it you had it done to you and you were like, this is this has changed my perspective, changed my life? Well, I was pretty much a, uh, a frustrated therapist because I worked in psychology for five years before I even got into travel. So I was seeing clients for like six to eight sessions and that took time. But also I just felt that I wasn't getting to the root of the problem. And I was like, there's got to be something better because what's the point of going to the dentist with a tooth that hurts and that dentist saying to you, yeah, no problem. Just come back like week by week and I'll pull it out a little bit more. I was like, there's got to be something different. So I did my research. I looked into lots of techniques. And when I really discovered hypnotherapy, I was like, this is it. It's quick. It's effective. It's permanent. It completely changes things from the inside out. It's the perfect technique. So how long have you been practicing it then? So right now it's just over six months and wow. yeah, the, re the results are phenomenal. I, I am super excited. I love my job. Yeah. You can see all the testimonials on my site. It's, it's going good. I love it. <laughs> I am very, very intrigued. I, I, I love it because I like to, you know, I think as travelers, most of us, the reason we like to travel is we're curious, right? I mean, inherently it comes down to, I want to see new things, meet new people, eat new food, smell new smells all that. And I think that especially during COVID, there can be this idea of like, well, I can't do all that. Right. And there, there's a positive side to that, you know, to being okay where you are and being content. But there's also this idea of, oh my gosh, there's ways I can do new things that don't have to like can satiate that curiosity that travel does, but it doesn't have to be travel. And I think this type of thing, learning, whether it be hypnotherapy, whether it be getting it, um, going through hypnotherapy, learning how to do it, whatever. It's just so neat to say, this is like, this is the reason I like travel. It's a completely, I don't have to want to travel to get hypnotherapy, but it's scratching the same itch of saying, is there something out there that I, that I haven't seen? And can I understand this at a deeper level? Absolutely. Cause once you, once you understand it, then you can fix it. You know, you can't heal what you can't feel. So once you know like the opportunities and possibilities are endless. Man, this all right. I am very intrigued. I'll, I'll have you. Well, why don't I tell? Well, tell people now if they're interested in that. Where can they go to find that? And then, of course, we'll link everything in the show notes. Absolutely. So, if you go to my site www.tcaketravels.com, just think of a cup of tea and a piece of cake, and you'll yeah. be there. Very British. But equally. Yeah, it's very British. But equally, you know, I just love hitting up people on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me at everything at TK Travels. So yeah, come say hi. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I am very, very intrigued by this. This is neat. And it's so cool that you you had this love of like the brain and psychology said, eh, I don't want to do this like in a nat normal setting in a office. I want to be able to do it in a way that really gets results, but is also on my own terms while I travel and you mesh the two together. And we teach a lot about location independence and, but I've never had a therapist say, how can I go, you know, location independent? That's not someone who's come through our world yet. Um, but living proof that it can happen, which is so neat. <laughs> um, I wanted, we, we talked about your mishap and uh, do you have another one? I mean, I'm sure you have another. One. Do you have another one that you want to close the show out with of like, all right, this is one of my bigger travel mishaps. I'll be telling, you know, this story when I'm 90 years old in the rocking chair, um, you know. <laughs> I feel that I've got so many. Um, I guess I can say is just never stop when you're driving the car in Mongolia, because if you stop the car, the car will sink into the desert. <laughs> Okay. How many times did you stop until you really learned this lesson? <laughs> I think we dug ourselves out about two times and, and it was a lot of digging, trust me. Um, you know, because we didn't we didn't actually have a map in Mongolia. It's just you just have to follow the direction you want to go. We knew we that we had to go <laughs> east <laughs> and we just kept going. But we we got in some pretty hairy spots um, many, many times. We had like rogue 
child thieves in Albania trying to like <laughs> like get on our car and like drag us down. We it was actually very good, I have to say. You know, being a solo female traveler, sometimes it's kind of seen as a bit of a detriment, but we actually thrived as solo women in that car because any bribes that were presented to us, we just talked ourselves out of them. We acted very flirtatiously. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that we didn't know anything. We got out of so many things by doing that. Whereas the guys in the other cars, they got stung (laughs) many, many a time. There you go. Ways to save money while traveling, right? If you got it, use it. Flirt your way out of situations if you can do it. Nice. Exactly. What do you have coming up in the pipeline? Obviously, when we're recording this, we're like, we're in COVID. We're, you know, we're locked down. But what do you have as maybe... We talked about a little things you want to do, but do you have anything planned for trips? And then what do you have on the professional side for the site and and the RTT and things like that? Yeah, so trip-wise, like Bulgaria is definitely on my radar. You know, as as I'm becoming more and more immersed in the hypnotherapy business, I'm thinking that I want to be more and more in a more digital nomad community. So I'm always on the lookout for the best digital nomad communities that are going down, and there's definitely some in Bulgaria. Um, in terms of the hypnotherapy, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm loving working with content creators. Uh, the doors are absolutely open, so... I'm just building more and more on that and we'll take my time with that and enjoy that and we'll just see what happens from there. And and you have a podcast, which we haven't touched on, but I want people to know. I mean, you just listened to Alice for 55 minutes roughly, right? If you want more of her, tell them a little bit about the podcast and what you guys, like what's the theme of the show and when it comes out and how they can find it. Yeah, so I run a Girls Talk Travel with my lovely friend Meg. You can find Meg at Food Fun Travel. She's actually currently in Georgia. Um, um, me and my, Meg just kind of, it, it kind of does what it says on the t- tin. We just love to chat about travel. We have a lot of female guests that come on. It's a really invigorating, inspirational podcast. And we share a lot of solo female travel tips um, for the newbies, but also for the experienced women out there. We're always talking about destinations that you can go to and the best things that you can do there, but equally how you can travel courageously and fearlessly as a woman on the road. So lots of gal power, lots of inspiration, lots of motivation. Yeah, yeah, come, come, come check us out. Awesome. Alice, thank you so much for joining me today and for teaching everyone, but especially the amazing women out there, that they can be adventurous, they can be bold, they can tackle travel in a way that maybe they think, oh man, this is like this is pushing it, and that they don't just have to have barki- bikinis, margarita, Instagram shots. Hey, there's nothing wrong with those things, right? But if you want travel in a different way, you're saying, there's a way forward. You can do it. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. We're going to link everything up in the show notes. Uh, you can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows. And uh, one more thing, where can people find you on social? What's the best way to find yeah. you there? Yeah, so I'm pretty much on everything. So you can find me at TK Travels with that handle. And if you just look up Girls Talk Travel, we're on every single podcast channel that you could ever want. So super easy. Type that in, you'll find us. Yeah, you can't get away from them if you're listening to this podcast, unless you're on our actual website, which some people do listen from the website. Hi, Mom. Uh, If you're listening through a (laughs) podcast player, you can find their podcast as well. So thank you again, Alice, for coming on. Super appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for everyone out there for tuning in today and the continued support. Until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris
after doing some digging, I found out that the queen is essentially a quote-unquote walking passport herself. And the following statement is written inside the first page of every British passport. And hold on to your seat because this is about as British as it gets. It reads, Her Britannic Majesty's Secretary of State requests and requires in the name of Her Majesty all those whom it may concern to allow the bearer to pass freely without let or hindrance and to afford the bearer such assistance and protection as may be necessary, end quote. So essentially what they're saying is that when the queen herself is the one traveling, her physical presence is enough to convey the message itself, but she is the only member of the royal family that doesn't need a passport. Every other member must carry a passport. Wow, what commoners.